0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around.
0: Let's bring in another voice, shall we, on the show. No offense there to Siri or Edna or whatever the texters. Edna. Yeah, some guy's calling her Edna. Um, let's go to Brad Spielberger. He is from Pro Football Focus. We want to talk to him about these wide receivers that could be available in free agency by trade. You know we got to ask him about the Brian Burns situation He's thinking as well. thinking these
2: guys called twice <laughs> before they can actually sign players in the offseason.
0: <laughs> and uh, he joins us here in the show. Uh, Brad Spielberger, PFF. Brad, what's going on, man? Man, how you doing? Hey, doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We found a new toy, this voice that's talking to us right now. So we're like kids on Christmas morning. But we must focus now. We must get back to the task at hand. Before we ask you about this wide receiver group, whether it's free agents or, you know, guys that could be available in trade, and obviously the Panthers need help there, uh, this Burns thing has heated up lately because Joe Person here locally from the uh, in, in the Athletic has reported that, you know, Brian Burns... The Panthers offered him five-year, $27 million a year uh, money last year. That would make him the third highest paid edge in the league. But he was holding out for more like 30. He then went out there and even by his own account, you know, had a disappointing year by his standards. What do you think, like, what do you think's a good value for Brian Burns that, that could be something both parties could agree upon?
3: Yeah. You know, at this point, you know, the longer you wait, the more the market's going to go up and up and up. And obviously we saw Nick Bosa sign a deal for $34 million a year last year. Obviously I'm not saying he's going to get into those numbers, but you know, that's kind of the nature of what happens when, you know, a a big contract comes through and rises every deal behind it. now you're going to see Josh Allen and Jacksonville probably also get franchise tags like Burns, but as an argument to become, you know, the next 30 million per year edge rusher. So, even if you don't think Burns is kind of on the, the level of the guys at that number, you look right now, TJ Watt at 28, Joey Bosa at 27, those guys signed their deals, you know, three, four years ago. So that's just kind of how the market tends to go. Um, he is worth $27, $28 million a year. Maybe not 30, um, but, but certainly up in that area as one of the better peer pass rushers in the NFL. I know there was some, you know, some scattered production this past season, but. A really, really good player, um, a foundational piece, a cornerstone of a defense. That's that's his market.
2: Brad, we're gonna kind of go one by one here and analyze the wide receivers that are on the free agent market, their situation and, and how the Panthers might get involved in the fit for them. What do you think about Mike Evans? There's the there's the connection with Dave Canales. Not sure what that means, or if he just wants to get the most money. How do you think this plays out with really the biggest wide receiver out there in name? Uh, in Mike Evans as we approach free agency?
3: Yeah, I think the Canals connection really matters because you, you saw an offense that really, really prioritized Evans and made him the focal point of the uh, the passing attack. And uh, so all those play-action deep shots always looking Mike Evans' way. You saw him, I think, attack more you know, across the middle of the field um, on, on a lot of posts and different things, not just running a bunch of vertical routes you know, on the boundary. So it is probably a question of, I think in the past he was willing to maybe take some less money, try to get a ring. He did that with Tom Brady. Does he still want to do that? Or is he looking to now at the end of his career, you know, cash out to a degree, he's still going to show up and be one of the hardest working guys in the building. I have no question about that, but if he prioritizing money a little bit, and that I think is the only way Carolina wins the, you know, wins the negotiation here. It is not a very attractive spot from winning right away. Uh, but yeah, if they want to make him one of the highest-paid wide receivers in the NFL, you know, 22, 23, 24 million dollars a year, then then uh, then they could be in the mix. Who?
0: Which ones do you think end up with the tag? It sounds like Evans won't be tagged because because of his previous salary, the number will be so high. But are we looking at Pittman and Higgins tagged? What's your feeling on on which of the wide receivers get the tag put on them?
3: Yeah, those two I expected. So, so I would be surprised if we don't get a tag for both T. Higgins and Cincinnati and Michael Pittman in Indy. The one thing I would say about Higgins is, and I'm not saying I expect this or anything like that, but I think it's more likely that we maybe get a tag there and early negotiations go poorly and he demands a trade. And again, Cincinnati might not you know, cater to that request or, or really care at all. They, they've you know, kind of shown that they go about their business, that they, they aren't going to be swayed by what a player says or does um, and the player is going to show up and keep playing. So nevertheless, obviously has the connection to the area as a former Clemson guy, maybe there's a tag and trade scenario there, but most likely those two players are just just not available.
2: Talking to Brad Spielberger, pro football focus kind enough to join us on the body works plus guest hotline here on the Mac and bone show, Brad, in terms of Calvin Ridley, how how do you think he fits uh, what the Panthers are looking for?
3: I think he'd be a good option. He's a, still a very good separator. I think he'd come in and be your move receiver, um, you know, and come in and you see him still a good route runner. People will talk about his drops, which no question were there. But you look at the first half of the season versus the second half of the year, and I think as he got a speed underneath him, got back adjusted to the you know, speed of the NFL game after an extended absence, the drops came down. So I think it was just focus and getting used to getting hit again. And maybe, you know, there's a little bit of thinking of the step he was going to take after he called football and that led to the drop. So yeah, still a very, very good player. Um, a guy that can be a total target hog he had 140, I think targets this past year in Jacksonville can win intermediate and deep. Um, and key for Bryce young, like he, he gets open. He's a good route runner will create separation and actually show his numbers and, and, and you know, be open, um, you know, which will go a long way in this offense that was near the bottom of the NFL and, Pretty much any separation metric or tight window throw metric, anything you could find, the Panthers' were, receivers were not getting open. Uh,
0: the, the next group after that, I would say, get you into the um, Marquise Brown area. Gabe Davis. Um, I would even throw maybe Michael Mike Williams in there. There's talk he could be released to save twenty million against the cap by the Chargers. Do any of those guys like if that if the Panthers draft somebody at thirty three? And then go get what Gabe Davis, Mike Williams, or or Marquise Brown. Like, is that good enough? What, what do you think?
3: I, I think they should do both. Um, you know, add a upper middle tier receiver. If they can't get a, go after, you're going to take a big swing. I think a Marquise Brown is kind of becoming a little bit underrated. When I watch him on film, still a guy that can create separation, that is a good te- you know player in traffic despite his size, can make players miss after the catch. So. You know, there been some injuries and some up and down play in Arizona, uh, but the talent is still there. And then, yes, yeah, I think you're sitting at 33 uh, if you're Carolina and there's a phenomenal crop of players. Funny, we actually just talked about T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, uh, two guys that went 33rd and 34th overall uh, a couple of years ago. There always seemed to be, you know, Debo Samuel went 35th or 36th overall. Like, there's always guys in that range. And this year in particular, look how loaded this class is. Like, I think the guy like Troy Franklin from Oregon is still available at 33. Um, I don't know about Brian Thomas Jr. at LSU. He, he might be climbing too much right now. But, like, there's going to be a guy that is probably an immediate impact day one player, ideally. You know, it's not always guaranteed like we saw with Jonathan Mingo. But but this receiver class is, is far more highly touted than last year.
2: Brad, our ears perked up late last week and over the weekend when we we found out that Seattle media has been talking a lot about the future of DK Metcalf with – his situation and what they need to try to fix their roster with McDonald there now. And they were talking about what would a trade look like. Is it going to be like a Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown situation for Metcalf? Do you do you think that's possible that they would move on from Metcalf? And would the Panthers have anything they could offer? There is obviously the staff connection from the Metcalf years in Seattle. Or is that just something that seems a little too pie in the sky that he might be out there for the Panthers to get?
3: Yeah, it's a little surprising to me. I think he's a perfect fit with, you know, with a good downfield passer, and Smith, a, a guy that can win obviously over the top. Um, you know, physical over the middle can, can can obviously run after the catch and and burn people in space. So it'd be surprising, obviously, they draft Jackson Smith and Jigbo. But I'm guessing if they were going to make a move, I know Tyler Lockett is like a Seahawks like cornerstone and and this great guy, and they love him. You know, on the field and off the field, but. I imagine he could be, in theory, the odd man out, not a much younger and very recently extended DK Metcalf. Like I I don't have the contract in front of me, but you're paying at that point probably $30 million for like a season of Metcalf on his extension uh, if I were to look at the cash flow. So that would surprise me. You're definitely talking probably a first-round pick, like you said, an A.J. Brown type of market, Um, maybe not quite as high just because you get no cheap years, you're immediately taking on an extension. Uh but yeah, I I don't know if I see that one, but obviously Seattle, if they're talking about it, it's probably for a reason.
0: A lot of Panther fans have brought up Brandon Ayuk. Also, there's there's a lot of people that think he could get traded. He's got one year left. Brad is thinking, how many wideouts you guys need? Oh, we got a whole list of wideouts, Brad. (laughs) Oh, we go all day. There's no hey, 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 Brad's at home with
3: this man. We've got
0: a tight end list here too, Brad. All right, we'll
3: get to that next. We'll get to that next. And then O line after that, and we get to the O line (laughs) list.
0: Um, Brad Spielberg,er PFF, trying to help us evaluate this group of wide receivers. So you know, you hear it, the Brandon Ayuk trade talk. Going into the last year of his deal, um, how do you think that? Like, do you think he becomes available, and and, and what would it take? Obviously, you then got to pay him to make it worth your while, right? What What do you think about that situation?
3: Yeah, so that one I think is more is more possible. Um, you know, San Francisco, just where they're at right now with so many massive contracts across their entire roster. You know, could they make it work? Yes. Do they want to pay two receivers, 23-plus million? That's where Debo's at, and I think I would, would top all of those guys and probably get $25, $26 million a year. And he's one of the best route right. runners in the entire NFL. Uh, phenomenal after the catch, good hands. He <laughs> can do really everything, and I honestly think we haven't even seen the full scope of his powers and his skill set just because of how loaded that offense is. So, again, that, that, that's first plus. You know, you're talking, I don't know about two first-round picks, but definitely a first-round pick and a day-two pick. If I'm San Francisco, you are extending right away. Um, you have to. And the player does get a bunch of leverage when you get traded for top-end draft capital. You know, They can then kind of hold that over the new team because they know they're not going to you know, bring them in for one year and, and not get a multi-year deal done. So yeah, you're, you're looking near the top of the market at that point, um, which in my eyes is actually about $25 million per year right now. But Justin Jefferson, CB Lamb, those guys are probably looking to get an actual thirty million per year deal or, or around that number. Um, so yeah, long answer short, I do think Ayuk is a, is a going to become a legitimate trade candidate. The Niners negotiate as hard as anybody. We saw Debo Samuel, you know, request a trade before his deal got done, and it's just they're going to have to be some tough decisions in San Fran, and, and maybe Ayuk is one of them.
0: All right, and, and the rub with the Panthers and the free and the wide receiver trade thing is, not only do you have to pay them, but we don't have a first round pick. You know, that's uh, we are yeah. short on draft collateral already, and that gets people people into uh, Brian Burns. Would you be willing to trade Brian Burns to get collateral to get an IUK? Would you? Would you? Is that a good move for the Panthers? Are they better off signing Burns and then you know going after one of those free agents we talked about?
3: Yeah, I mean, it would certainly help to, to rebuild your draft capital. Uh, it, you know, like you said, you don't have the first-round pick. There have been a bunch of recent trades that have kind of chipped away at some of your your, your stock there. So, um, you know, trading Burns, you're still getting a first-round pick. I think even though it's a new regime, it's going to be so hard to know there was a two-first and a second off the table from the Rams, um, and now you're not going to get close to that. I think you probably get a first and then a probably a day two pick as well, uh, but but not two first at this point for Brian Burns. So you know what they're, they're, you can make an argument and, and obviously they want to prioritize offense. There's the reason why they hired Dave Canales and, and they clearly believe in, you know, offensive side of the football is how you win games in today's NFL. But at that point you basically have Derek Brown um you know JC Horman healthy is awesome, but Derek Brown and just a bunch of question marks, like do you bring back Frankie Louvre in that scenario? You know how do you kind of build out the rest of that defense without a clear number one edge rusher? You probably at that point, I mean, probably the worst edge rusher group in the NFL if you do move on from Brian Burns. So yeah, it's it's all fluid. It's all options they have to explore. Um, but I would probably lean towards keep your homegrown guy uh, and then try to add you know a, a free agent as well as the 33rd pick, you know, bring in a, a talented receiver there.
2: He uh, is, Brad, we'll try to leave you alone for a couple weeks now. There you go. We'll call, <laughs> yeah, now, two weeks
0: later, uh, be ready for the tight end conversation. All right. <laughs> Sounds he,
3: great. I'll, he, I'll be prepared. He is Brad
0: Spielberger. He's always prepared at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter, part of the great PFF team. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah, thank you guys. Listen
1: to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show.
4: Let's move on. Let's go back to the NFL. Let's focus on the NFC South. Just do a little check-in because we've talked a lot about the Carolina Panthers. A lot going on. Head coaching change again. Coaching staff hires. What are they going to do at 33? It expands the pool of players that we choose from. When it used to be number one, we basically had... A two-man, three-man choice with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then maybe Anthony Richardson. We had Tony Pauline on this show, by the way. Actually got aggregated a little bit. Say Frank Reich liked Anthony Richardson. But ultimately, Bryce Young is the pick. We got a lot to choose from at 33. Atlanta's got a decent amount to choose from as well, but they could pick their quarterback in free agency or on the trade market. It feels like Atlanta is a quarterback away from really competing. And they were poorly coached last year. But even still, you know the kind of talent they have on offense. The offensive line is good. The defense is much improved. But they got Desmond Ritter throwing the football. And if it's not Ritter, then it's Taylor Heineke. Heineke might not be all that bad. But even still, you're not winning anything in the postseason with Taylor Heineke. So they're a quarterback away from being scary. Justin Fields to Atlanta. That's been the hottest topic surrounding their signal caller position. And Jordan Schultz was on the Zach Gelb show that you can listen to here. And here's what Jordan Schultz had to say about the buzz surrounding Justin Fields to Atlanta.
5: But The the Falcons, there is absolutely a building buzz uh, among the NFL that the Falcons would be in play for Justin Fields. Obviously, he's from Gainesville, Georgia and and grew up there. And the Falcons, another team like When I think about Atlanta with Justin Fields, I just, there's something about a backfield shared by him and Bajan Robinson that really gets me fired up. You know, I just, I see it. You know, you can really see how that could materialize and be something super special. Um, You know, I think Chicago's in a position where it's probably more than likely they're going to reset the clock, get Caleb Williams number one, maybe get another wide receiver to compliment D.J. Moore and then build their roster out from there. But they have so many needs, and it's my understanding that Fields at this point probably commands a late first-round pick, so you can get real value for him and ideally allow him to restart his career somewhere else. I still believe that Justin Fields' talent is so robust that in the right system with the right coordinator, he could be a super special quarterback. He just hasn't really had it. In Chicago. So the Falcons, to me, are going to be in play for a lot of these guys, including Cousins and Fields.
4: West, of- If you're Atlanta, how aggressive are you going after Justin Fields on the trade market?
6: Yeah, I'm going to go after him because uh, this is a young man that I think is – On the rise, and I think that this is a guy, yeah, the numbers haven't looked spectacular in Chicago, but also, too, man, I think he's suffered from what Bryce has suffered from a lot here, and he's made the most of the situation with his legs and trying to make plays for this Bears offense. He gets DJ Moore. We see they have some nice chemistry there, but still not not nearly enough uh, in Chicago for what this young man would need and I've I've talked about it all the time a lot of people get mixed up because of the athleticism, the way he can run with the football but I followed this young man from uh, his junior year of high school and I know the type of passer that he's capable of being and we saw it at Ohio State as well Uh, but this is a guy that hasn't had a chance to have a complement of weapons that is enough to win uh, in this league and so when you talk about championships and getting to the playoffs, I mean what quarterback that's played on great teams didn't have great players around him and if you put him in atlanta that's what he has now so it's either going to be no more excuses and he's going to get the job done or we we find out that he's totally a bust but i'm going to bet more on the fact that he's going to turn into the player that a lot of people think that he could be this offense would be so dynamic indoors on that turf with those weapons that speed his running ability mixed with the passing ability that he's going to show you uh with this offense so I think it would be tremendous and yeah I think it would do Atlanta uh premiere a tremendous service to go out uh, and get this young man if you said the ninth pick I'm not sure you're going to get a quarterback that's going to be comparable to Justin Fields and what I think he's capable of with the full assortment of weapons
4: yeah it feels like if Atlanta wants to go after Justin Fields it's going to take a first round At least a second round, but probably a first to go get it. Jordan Schultz was talking about a late first round going after Justin Fields. I saw a a proposed trade, whether it be on NFL Live or just ESPN yesterday. Pittsburgh also could be interested in Justin Fields, like one of these teams that could make the postseason with competent quarterback play. Pittsburgh is in that mix. We'll see what happens with Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. They could be looking for a different quarterback, too, if they decide to let Kirk go. But we see somebody on the text line saying, nah, not Justin Fields. Atlanta should be going after Kirk, and it's going to cost a lot of money. Going to cost a lot because apparently Kirk is looking for guaranteed money like he's been getting with the Vikings. And the Vikings are, I don't know about learning from their mistakes, because Kirk Cousins has played good enough football up there. They haven't had a lot of postseason success. Oh, no. But Kirk Cousins, well, how many postseason wins do they have? That's <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying. to it up. Oh, you did. You did. <laughs> but Minnesota hasn't gotten to a deep spot in the postseason. Kirk Cousins has the one win against the Saints. And he made the throws to do it. Like that's He's got that game to keep a lot of the postseason criticism at bay, or at least some. But that's it. He's just got the one win. If you're Atlanta, do you want the sure thing of Kirk being dropped into that system and being the best quarterback they've had pretty clearly since Matt Ryan, or... Do you want to go after the guy in Justin Fields that could be there longer because he's just so much younger and you could have a pretty high ceiling, especially with just athletes all over the place? Which one would you rather do? Give up the first to go get Justin or give up a ton of money to go after Kirk Cousins? What say you on Atlanta?
6: Ooh, that's a good one because you know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I By like the way, Kirk if you Cousins say Justin
4: Fields, I'm going to say you're disrespectful to Kirk Cousins. No, 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 not at, at all so,
6: because this is the, the, the way of thinking. It's like you are going to have to pay Justin Fields. And so that's going to be in play here too. But you're not going to have to pay him as much as you probably would have just because uh, the numbers and the production haven't been there. So I think you do yourself a service because you're going to get a guy that I think is going to come there immediately and outplay that deal. Now, if he comes back to the table two years from now and says, hey, you know, I want more, I've outplayed this thing, okay, so be it. But I think as far as the price that you could get him for – Right now that you could sign him for, uh, I think you'd go ahead and do that. Now, I don't know if he signs a deal if he goes to Atlanta right now. He's three years in. He could still play on his rookie deal. He could come in this year, play and then say, okay, let me get my numbers up, and then I can get my dollars up. And then you got to pay him some real scrilla. So that's how I think Fields would probably pay it, play it. I don't think he comes to Atlanta automatically wanting a new deal. I think he's going to go there, show out, and then get his contract. So I would go with Fields just because uh, I think, for one, he fits. Uh, Atlanta. We know. Black quarterback Atlanta. We know that. Aesthetic always fits, but also... well. Oh, you're thinking of butts in the seats here, too. That, too, yeah. But not only that, what he's going to bring to this team, he brings another weapon in the offense. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a Hell of a pass, a dynamic pass. I love what he brings to the passing attack. But I'm getting due to a threat mm. with Justin Fields. I'm man. being able to – I'm going to get a guy that when things break down, he's going to get that crowd on their feet because he's going to take that thing 40, 50, 60 yards. We know he's a four-three guy on that fast turf. He's going to have it electric down there. So that's why I would go with him because of the youth. I can get him at a better price right now if he wants to come in and do a deal right now. Uh, but I'm going to go with the youth. And the dynamic ability that he brings, but I mean, I think you're in a win-win situation no matter which guy you sign. Kirk Cousins has a traitor, man. I just so it's so disrespectful going I love against Kirk. And oh, you're going But I'm gonna Justin go with Fields. the younger guy, and he's gonna bring me those legs over there too to go with with the passing ability, I man. I just hate
4: it, man, for Kirk. Let's move on. Justin <laughs> Fields unfollowed the Chicago Bears yeah, on Instagram. Spooky.
6: And anytime this happens.
4: People like to make fun of it. Oh, we're so social media conscious. Oh, Justin Fields unfollowed. No, Justin Fields unfollowed them for a reason. We can at least understand this is a little weird, but also understand it's not the greatest of relationship between these two sides because they have the number one overall pick. And everything he's saying, he wants to stay. Thanks to our Carolina Panthers. He is saying he wants to stay. But he said that, well, I'll let Justin Fields say it. Here he is on the St. Brown Bros podcast yesterday telling you why he unfollowed his own football team.
6: All right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it. Because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like? <laughs> <laughs> but like, why, why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. Isn't that? I'm just trying to take a little break. i, I, I mess with them. the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Mm. Mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG that's don't mean you're not messing with her. That's them. true. That's true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears There's more now that you unfollowing? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my time on. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. Mm. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little for a little bit. It's either Keith Fields. We want Fields to see the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just
7: want to be over.
4: The closest we got to the truth was at the very end. That's the closest. When he said, I don't want to hear Keith Fields or draft Caleb. I believe that. What I don't believe is, man. We still mess with them, even if, if you're messing with a girl. It doesn't mean you have to follow her on Instagram, Justin Fields. Yeah, he thought we were born yesterday. Are you kidding me? Go ahead and unfollow your significant other and see how that goes in your household. Right. Now, it doesn't have to be your significant other. That's fine. But that's also telling in your explanation because you don't view Chicago as your partner in this marriage. Go ahead and unfollow your significant other on social media and see... Why did you unfollow me? I, say, I
6: still mess with you, though. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. yeah tell I... Girl, I still mess with you, baby. I still mess with you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I just played that out of my head. <laughs> no, what, what? Are we not friends on Facebook? Babe, I still mess with I got you. I still you. mess with you. I got you. It's okay. Come on, now. That lingo alone, you're going to you be in for serious? a long night. Are you serious? Let's talk about why do people take social media so seriously. Come on, dog. You know the world we live you in. You took
4: it seriously when you unfollowed Yeah, It
6: takes effort. Mm -hmm. It takes effort. You could have just let it roll on.
4: If you want to say, look, I need a break. I understand how the discourse is going to be leading up to the draft. This affects my future. I don't know where I'm going to end up. My agent is going to be informed. I hope Chicago keeps me informed. I don't know where I'm going to end up. And so I do need to take a break from this. I unfollowed Chicago because there's going to be a lot of their own Uh, marketing, telling you get excited for the number one overall pick, and then maybe some things that affect me because of it. So I just need a break. But I do not expect that to be the reason as to why he unfollowed the Bears. And the other thing, he said, you know, I'm just going on vacation. I don't want to see anything about football. Okay. When you get back, you're going to say you're going to follow him again? Right. Okay. Who else did you unfollow? Did you unfollow other (laughs) football accounts so you could be away from it? (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. And then EQ – Equineme is Saint Brown, to mm-hmm.
6: be exact. That's the man's real name on Saint Brown podcast. He said, "Yeah, that's true." It's- yeah, they know they just sitting there just capping like hell. Come on, man, talking about the, my main thing was just that I mess with you. You know, so you <laughs> hanging out with a girl yeah. and she's like, or or a guy, and they say I mess with you. Nah, dog, that that ain't good enough. What? Exactly that right there. <laughs> what you mess with me? I mean, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna unfollow my girl and I'm gonna see her and say I, I mess with you, baby. Don't do that. Please don't do that. She's a nice woman. I'll prepare my
8: couch
4: for you, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be sleeping over there in Fiddy's room. And, and Fiddy, just just As long so as Ramsey's know, is on the couch. Yeah, Ramsey's needs to be a little bit further you'd away. You'd be mistreating Ramsey's. Yeah, He's you- on
8: the Carolina shelf, man. He looks down and descends upon...
4: The room.
1: <laughs>
4: the Lord knows what those eyes have seen. Uh, Lord knows. Ramsey, know. He's probably... He probably... Do you ever see a little tear yeah. just drip from his face every once in a while when you look over there?
8: Yeah, because he probably gets sad when he sees Sir Minty get thrown across the room during a bad call during the Carolina game. Like I, I like Sir it, man. He All is, right. man, but he's... This is a small little stuffed animal creature
6: and he's the easiest thing to throw. Jack says on the text line he said he friend zoned the bears. That's exactly what that sounds like. Friend zone. I mess with you. But but it feels like Chicago
4: might friend zone Justin and he's trying to beat no, them they, to no, the they punch. They're gonna, they the gonna make up. him an ex. Yeah, that's true. I mean, You're, right. about to, You're about right. to they're about to dump it. Yeah. I mean it it could be amicable on their part. They could say, Look, we wish you the best, but we're gonna go ahead and get this value and trade you. I think it's stupid. Move on to some- me. You don't like going after Caleb Williams and getting rid of Justin Fields?
6: I think they should keep him, and I think they should put weapons around him. I think if he goes to Atlanta, they're going to see what they've been missing.
4: I I don't think it's stupid. I think it's a really hard decision. But I could see the argument for Justin because yeah. I, I like Fields. The thing is, he wasn't good at the beginning of the season, and then he started to figure it out a little bit mm-hmm. once he was coming back. But there are still legit questions about him. There are some real bad games, but he's young. Yeah, He's young. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to ask why is laughing oh you don't know
8: it's it's good it's it's shareable no it's not yeah no it is we were talking about sir minty i know what you're gonna you're gonna read jack's text message no yes, just you are. respecting sir minty huh willie p mm, okay uh-huh. willie <laughs> p chiming in or he just texted me individually but uh you're right and then i was gonna ask you guys have y'all ever been friends zoned, but we're up against it so we got to oh share. yeah we all have i don't know about you you big time
6: bryant Oh, no, man. I've been through it all, dog. I ain't gonna act like I'm, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, want no, to Don Juan up in here. Don Juan have been dumped. And Don Juan have been friend-zoned, too, now. <laughs> uh, and, and speaking of friend zone, last one,
4: like, American flag emoji writes in, You stupid, bro. I unfollowed my wife all the time. All right. You still married? More power to you, man. That's not anything that I'm gonna be. That's some funny behavior. I'm not right gonna there. be about. I'm not gonna be about it. You can hear
1: Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on The Kyle Bailey Show...
9: Let's bring in Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, sports columnist, longtime sports columnist. He's back with us live from the Triangle, with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Luke, how are you, buddy?
7: Good. Fully fully uh, aware of myself as a name smoke should not be said.
9: <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done. That's why you're you're a brilliant man. Um, hey, let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes. They got a big one tonight, don't they? The Florida Panthers coming to town. I think I saw they're looking for their 12th straight road win and now here's carolina they got uh, things are starting to look better and better all the time that second line's looking pretty good what do you think about tonight
7: yeah i mean it's a good test I, i'm not sure that the hurricanes have really reached their ceiling yet um they've played well uh special teams have been better goaltending has been better um but there's still another level for this team to get to probably needs to get to um when it, if and when it sees the panthers again in the postseason so it's a good test. The Panthers are a team that for whatever reason, and, and last year a lot of it had to do with goaltending and Sergei Bobrovsky being on an unbelievable hot streak, uh, they, they match up well with the Hurricanes. It's their, the, the way they play, which is a little slower, a little little, uh, uh, you know, beefier, for, for lack of a better word, than the Hurricanes, they're going to play a, a more grinding game. The Hurricanes want to get going up and down. Um, not that they don't grind people, but they'd rather do it by getting the puck into your end, getting on your heels, and, and going after you. And the Panthers are going to you know, do it in a more maybe old-fashioned way. But they also, uh, last year in the playoffs, especially had terrific goaltending. So it's an interesting clash of styles, good test for the Hurricanes. In the end, it doesn't really matter uh, if the Hurricanes were to lose and the Panthers were to extend their streak tonight. The Hurricanes are in the playoffs either way. They're not going to play the, the Panthers before the conference finals. Uh, This is all sort of uh, uh, window dressing, but we've seen it in the past with the Bruins, especially when the Hurricanes were having trouble getting past them in the postseason. Sometimes regular season meetings can change the dynamic between two teams. Mm -hmm. And once the Hurricanes started pushing the Bruins around a little bit in the regular season, their fortunes did change in the postseason. So obviously the Hurricanes were heavily favored last year. It's a different dynamic with the Panthers, but the Panthers are playing really well. And this is a chance to make that kind of statement.
9: All right, we got Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, my guy John and Mooresville, wanted me to ask you about uh, baseball, and I think it's a, a good time to do it because yesterday on ESPN, as you probably know, uh, there was a piece up about expansion in Major League Baseball, and not just that, but there were you know captions, segments on each potential city, and the front page of ESPN yesterday was the shot of the Charlotte skyline uh, from basically the vantage point of the press box at Truist Field in Uptown, home of the Knights. Um, I thought the, the article itself, the caption itself for Charlotte was utterly useless. But um, being that you're out there in Raleigh, and obviously you cover Tom Dundon's team, and we talked to Tom here on the show a couple of months ago about his intentions. Have you heard anything? What are your thoughts?
7: No, I haven't, but this was never going to be an immediate kind of thing. A lot of us was doing due diligence to figure out if it even made sense, whether that was Raleigh or Charlotte. Um, obviously, you know, Charlotte has its advantages. Raleigh has the advantage of being where the Hurricanes are, the team that he already owns, um, and not having a lot of sort of other pro competition in the form of an NFL and NBA team. So there's sort of interesting points for each market. I, I still think even with Dundon's sort of muscle behind it, this is a very long shot. Um, economically speaking, especially for the triangle, it's, it's a really tough List because of the number of tickets you need to sell and the corporate support you need to do that. Um, you know, the sort of amenities you have to sell in terms of suites and party decks and things like that. You need a ton of corporate support. That um, it, it makes it difficult. And, and really, honestly, in Charlotte as well. When you look at the cities that have MLB teams or get MLB teams, um, they're typically bigger. Um, it's a tough sport to support, especially now that you're heading into an era in the sort of late 2020s, uh, where you're not going to be able to count on local broadcast revenues the way you once could. That was a big reason, a uh, big uh, engine fueling baseball's economic growth sort of in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s was the fact that they had these, you know, in the case of the Dodgers, extremely lucrative local TV deals. Um, but that's, those are dead now, um, you know, except in a few very rare instances like the Yes Network. That dynamic just doesn't exist anymore. So I still think this is a very long shot. I think it's great that somebody is taking a look and trying to crunch the numbers, but I don't expect this to be something that turns around quickly. Um, In both cases, you're talking about billions of dollars to build an adequate stadium. That's a really big nut just to talk about just to get started, let alone payroll, front office, scouting, development, all these other expenses that go into it. Um, it's a really big lift starting from scratch. Um, you know, there's all those talk about moving a team, but even then, you're still talking about billions of dollars from a stadium. Um, it's just, it's a really hard hurdle to get
9: over. All right, Luke. Uh, let's talk about Duke last night. They beat Miami. We know this is not the Miami team that the you know, Miami fans Jim Laronega expected. No Nigel Pack. That you know backcourt's kind of decimated. But yeah, Duke was uh, dominant last night, and it seemed a theme after the game with John Shire. Was about toughness and and you know bristling at the idea that his team is not tough enough. What what do you think specifically about Duke's toughness? Because it it is required often to make a run in the NCAA tournament.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a valid question to ask, especially when you look at what happened to them last year against Tennessee, where they were out tough right out of the tournament um, by a bigger, stronger team. Uh, and and you've seen it. Like I I think what you what it really comes down to this season is how do you define toughness? Is it physicality? Is it, you know, pushing guys around, boxing out, um, you know, defending hard? Like, like I think Duke has some of that. The question with Duke, and look, John Shire raised these questions himself. The home loss to Pitt. Can you face up to a guy on the other team who's showing you up? The game at Chapel Hill. John Shire was irate at the way, and, and really more like disappointed parents. Like, I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed at the way Duke didn't pursue loose balls and didn't hustle the way that, you know, Shire would expect. So I I think Shire to a certain extent is trying to get that off his team's mind by claiming that, hey, we're past that. But I think it's a valid question to ask when you look at the games they've lost. It's just a question of how you define toughness. And I think for Duke, it's really more mental toughness. You know, the, the going after loose balls, um, really dialing in on defense in, in tough environments, even when that's at home and it's a guy like Blake Hinson who's making you look silly. So I, I think it, I think it is, A, fair to question Duke's toughness. I think it's equally fair for John Shire after last night, after some of the games the Blue Devils have played recently, especially coming out of that Carolina game. He wanted to see a response from his team, and he's seen it. So this is a good time for him to kind of use the bully pulpit, pulpit and point out to people that, The questions that I had about my own team, my own team has answered. And, uh, you know, talking about toughness is one way to do it. So I think that's, I think it's a fair question to ask and a fair point for Shire to make after a nice win over Miami.
9: Now, yesterday, we got into a fun conversation. I don't know about fun for NC State fans, but we got into a conversation with NC State fans about, hey, if this thing continues to spiral, obviously losing to Syracuse doesn't end the season. But, you know, if you don't make the tournament, you fire Kevin Keats, who do you think is the next man up? Like, who's the right guy for this job in 2024? I had a few texters want me to ask you this question, so I'll pass it to you. If they move on, um, who who do you think they would or should be targeting? I'm I'm a big big Pat Kelsey guy myself. Yeah,
7: I mean, I think you want someone who's got... Uh, some roots in the ACC, which Kelsey obviously does. Um, But I think you need a guy who has some experience winning at a high major level, because, you know, when you look at, at Kevin Keats, and and you, you sort of go back and debrief what went wrong there. Um, It was a guy whose only head coaching job was at UNC Wilmington, Um, obviously had experience at Louisville with Rick Pitino, Um, you know, so I think you want somebody who is, you know, which is something that Mark Gottfried actually had on his otherwise barren resume, somebody who's, who's coached in one at a high major level, you know, is NC state desperate enough to go out and get somebody like will Wade and all the bags that he carried. Uh, it was certainly someone that NC state looked at when they hired Kevin Keith. Um, but those are the kind of guys who are going to be out there. I, I will say in, you know, the talk about the season spiraling um, you know, this is a, something I've had this conversation with several people this week. I think we too often get caught up in that sort of every game is a referendum mentality. NC State is not that very far removed from going down and beating Clemson um, with a terrific late-game performance and really probably should have beaten Syracuse, all things considered. So, you know, the the sort of uh, state of NC State basketball and Keith and his future and all that, I, I just feel like we're kind of jumping the gun on that a little bit they still have two big games against Carolina and Duke. They have winnable games and they have an ACC tournament. Um, I, I just feel like people are, are and is, look, this is a sign of the apathy that surrounds that program. There's no question about it. And that is a big picture issue that's not easily addressed, but I just, I just feel like we're kind of veering from uh, extreme to extreme with NC State basketball. And everyone just needs to kind of let, let this play out and see where it goes. And don't forget also, You've got a chancellor who's walking out the door next summer, presumably. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got an AD who hasn't shown a, a, a lot of sort of inclination to make big changes. I'm not sure Kevin Keats' job is in as much danger as everyone thinks it is, even if they miss the
9: tournament and it might not be, and I said this I said something similar yesterday, and I saw your tweet about it that hey i'm not gonna i we're not gonna talk about it as if, as if it's over because they're eight and seven in conference with multiple games to play in the tournament, so you know two weeks from now you Kevin Keats could get the last laugh, and none of this conversation matters, but I mean, we you and I both know how many fans inside that fan base feel about what's going on. um you know before I let you go, the news yesterday I, I guess it was yesterday, maybe two days ago that. Um, the, the playoff committee, you know, we haven't even cracked the seal on a 12 game college football playoff. And there's already murmurings about it going to 14 teams as early as 2026. What do you make of this?
7: I mean, I, the the thing with the CFP and and this has been obvious, well, from the beginning, but even if you go back to a couple summers ago where they were trying to put the original 12 team proposal, slide that under the door before anyone found out that Oklahoma and Texas were jumping to the SEC. Uh, these guys are making this up as they go along. They really don't have any big long-term plans for this stuff. They're veering from whatever solution seems to make the most sense and make the most money at any given time. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in the long-term vision that these guys have for the CFP. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't, to me, strike. You know, it, it it strikes me as something that is kind of cobbled together and has been probably more successful than anyone have envisioned to the point where it's now a, sort of this own financial powerhouse center rivaling the NCAA. Um, I, I just, you know, what well, we're going to do, five and seven, is that going to change at some point? You know, there was talk about farming out the TV deal to multiple outlets so everyone got a piece. NBC would get the Notre Dame games and Fox would be involved and maybe Amazon or Apple gets a game. And it's, it ends up going back to ESPN and they may sub-license some of it to some of those people, but it's, there's not, there's not a ton of imagination here. There's not a ton of, of, of innovation. Um, it's a bunch of guys doing the least, the least common denominator that gets them the most money. And so I, you know, could we go to 14? Could we go to 16? Could we go to 32 and start the season in July? Uh, Who knows if someone offers them enough money, they'll do it. They're just running down the street chasing after nickels at this point.
9: You're not wrong about that. Luke, I appreciate you, brother, as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Cal. Take care.
1: you tuned in to Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte
8: sports fan.